0: All right, everybody. Let's get into the word this morning. I, I was praying and asking God what He wants to to be talked about. Last week we had great word from uh from start to finish. It was awesome. We have live streams every week, so go check out all of that word. This is it's so good. It's so good. But this morning I wanted to talk about: We're called, do we answer? And there's so many times that we have to slow down to do something we have to to take time to do any things but I, i thought about how many times have i been asked to do something and i either do it i procrastinate and i do it way later than it should be or i forget about it totally and this used to be really bad when i was younger i'd be like you need to take out the the garbage this might still happen sometimes i need to take out the garbage but you know whatever but it would be my mom or my dad asking me you need to go take out the garbage and i'd be like okay and then it'd be days (laughs) later it's like the garbage has to be taken out and like it would escalate from an ask to a demand and i would be in hot water and no one wants that no one wants that but i used to be the world's worst about that but i am getting better thank the good lord but when i worked as a band director i was so busy that when people asked for my help or asked for like uh you know a recommendation letter or anything that was out of the norm it would take several times of them reminding me like i would literally tell them remind me until i do it and that doesn't like when someone comes asking you for help, it talks about it in Proverbs that you should help them. Then don't wait to the next day. You should help them then. But I was so quote unquote busy. And it was a lot of it was by my own design, by my own design that I wouldn't have time to do those things. It was my own choice, but I couldn't be bothered with it. And a lot of the times we choose to be busy. We choose to be so busy that we don't feel anything. Oh, I'm so busy. I I can't even think straight. I've heard that so many times. I'm so busy that I don't even know what day it is. Okay. Uh, This, this whole thing that's going around right now, a lot of people's had to slow down, but they're filling their days with other things, but we don't have to be so busy that we cannot help each other and take time to live let's go to Matthew 22 14 for everyone is invited to enter in but few respond in excellence this is the passion translation I love this translation especially that this verse just is so good now this the scripture is interesting because a lot will answer but it depends on how you answer you know a lot of kids. Their parents would be like, hey, Zach. And he'd be like, what? Huh? There's no there, There's no respect there. There's no responding in excellence. It's, it's a out of obligation more than out of respect. Do you see what I'm saying? It's more out of respect than when someone's like, huh? It's like, you know you heard me. <laughs> but God is the same way. He's trying to. Talk to us, but few are responding in excellence because we we begrudgingly help people. It's out of obligation. It's out of well, if I don't do it, they won't shut up about it. You know, if I do it, then they'll stop talking. I am I am I being honest here this morning, people? This is how we've we've done it, and outwardly we we keep taking on things inside, but. You want everyone to just stop talking. That's how, we, how we're doing. But I want to focus on the second part of this verse. But few respond in excellence. Few respond in excellence. And excellence means the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. That, that's pretty awesome. So few respond by being outstanding or extremely good. If you think about that, when you, someone says something, if you respond really well, that means you've received what they've said and you're going to take action for it. So how do we respond to our spouses, our family members, our friends, our colleagues? Are we begrudgingly listening to them? Are we just like, uh-huh, yeah. I, I think about you know times earlier in mine and Amy's marriage or relationship, if I was playing a game and I, or I was doing something else and she'd come in and talk to me, it would my, my attention was divided. But that's the same thing with God. What is our attention divided on? Because he's supposed to be not number one, but he's supposed to be the center. He's supposed to be in every part of our lives. He's supposed to be the nucleus of our lives. So he has an influence on everything that we do. But how many times we're like, God, do you really want me to go talk to that person? Oh, I got to do this again for God. Oh, I got to go to the church and do this. You know, it's, it's out of that begrudging obligation. Instead, we should respond in excellence. You know, I, I, was, I was thinking God responds in excellence. He is more than enough. He is more than enough. So why would we not turn that back to him? The 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 things that he gives us, we turn praises to him because it's his of his glory. He wants us to hear his voice and respond in faith. We have to take action, people. Faith is action. That means you got to take some risk. <laughs> you got to take some risk. Let's stop being comfortable. I know we we're sitting around this morning. It's more comfortable service and everything, but we've got to take risk. And it's going to seem to a lot of people. You might be crazy, but that's okay. That's okay because they don't dictate what God gives you. They are not God over your life. It doesn't matter what they think, and it could be from bosses to colleagues to friends to your family to your mom, your dad, your spouse, whatever, but if God is telling you to do something, he is the center, and they'll get on board or they'll get out the way. All right, this this is so true because we a lot of times want to be safe and comfortable, but when we do that, we limit God to what he can do. We want to be so safe that we don't take risk that he's telling us to take because he's got something way better. He's got something way better. I saw this image the other day. It was Jesus holding this huge teddy bear, and it was behind his back, and he was talking to this little girl. He's like, just give it to me. I've got something better for you. And the little girl had a little bitty, it was little bitty uh, teddy bear. She's like, but I love it so much. But it was like this gigantic teddy bear that he was ready to give her. That's how we are. He sees us as his children. But so many times we hold on to so much that we're not hearing what he's saying, but we have to take that risk because when we respond in excellence, we're listening to the most high. And when we're obedient, obedience is better than a sacrifice, everybody. When we're obedient, we're going to open ourselves up for amazing things. Now, I, I thought about, you know, Jesus is God's son. So what if Jesus responded to God the way we respond to Him or our own parents, Jesus, I need to go do this, huh? It would have taken a long time, and it might not even happen to get salvation. if he responded like we did, He wouldn't have taken that risk. you know, and that's where we've got to understand. It's like Jesus responded with excellence. He didn't stumble at all. He didn't stumble, He didn't sin, he didn't waver. He went forward because he responded in the excellence of the Father's voice. Let's go to John 12, uh, verse 49. And this is what I'm talking about right here. I don't speak my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. That's good right there. When God spoke to Jesus, they're on the same page. They were in unity. There was no confusion. There was like... You know, there was 100%. Jesus wasn't about getting glory. He wasn't about chasing things after the world. He could literally have anything that he wanted, but he wasn't about that. He was here to bring glory to the Father and bring us into relationship with God. It was about nothing else than that because Jesus is the Son of God. You know, so many times when we get an inheritance, or we get more than we normally have, people go a little crazy about it. They start doing stuff that's out of their character, but Jesus came from heaven and became man. He already had everything. He already had everything. When he came to earth, he was here for a job. He was here to do a work because his job was changing lives forever. If he didn't respond and he didn't listen to God, then he wouldn't have been doing what his father told him. He wouldn't have been responding in excellence. He didn't dilly-dally. He didn't, you know, waste his time when his ministry began. He was about it. He knew the mission. He went forth, and he worked, and he started changing people around him with every interaction. Let's go to Mark 3, uh, starting in verse 3. I I love this, and I, I I've taught on this before, but I kind of wanted to give in a few examples of Jesus changing people's lives. So this is Mark three, starting in verse three. Jesus said to the man with the paralyzed hand, "Stand here in the middle of the room." And I'm not going to go into all of what he, you know, my thoughts on this. Then he turned to all who's gathered there and said, "Which is it? Is it against the law to do evil on the Sabbath or to do good? To destroy a life or to save one?" But no one answered him a word. Then looking around at everyone, Jesus was moved with indignation and grieved by the hardness of their hearts and said to the man, now stretch out your hand. As he stretched out his hand, it was instantly healed. Jesus changed this guy's life like that. It changed completely because he was listening to what the father was telling and it said his, he was grieved by the hardness of their heart. Could you imagine a room? And I, I've been in rooms where you're trying to reach people, you're trying to love on people, but when you speak to them, they're so hard and they're so just like, they're not even listening to you. They're there, but they're not there. And that's how Jesus was. But it wasn't just this life, this man's life that he touched, it was everyone around him that saw the the conversation between him and the pharisees that there is there is more to this than just the law there is love in this that's what he was showing everybody that there is love in this and that everything was changed they when they left that place they had a different outlook you could not see that and not be changed now the pharisees just got more hard and just was like rah, 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 rah but other people they received they didn't you know you don't know how many lives Jesus touched just because they saw him it's there's so many so many things that he did that it's the the paper in the world could not hold it all that's exciting people <laughs> that's exciting let's go to mark uh 3 we're still in verse uh mark 3 let's go to verse 14 he appointed the 12 who he named apostles he wanted them to be continually at his side as his friends and so that he could send them out and pre- out to preach and to have authority to heal the sick and cast out demons. So right there, Jesus is picking 12 people to change completely. And it's their choice, just like it's our choice, if we respond in excellence. Uh, you know, you think about, oh, well, you know, 11 of them did really well, but there was that one, you know, Judas, he didn't respond well. He didn't receive. It was his choice. It wasn't because Jesus was a bad teacher. He has been proclaimed as the best teacher ever. Could you imagine that? I I think about, I think about, you know, teaching and everything. There's always some kids that just don't get it, that just don't get it because Jesus was creating a kingdom culture here. He wasn't just you know, taking them out and taking them on a wild goose chase. He was creating a culture. He was changing their lives because that's how God is. He changes us through time. It's not always instantaneous. There are miracles. There are things that you are released from instantaneous, but there's a lot of times where behavior has to be changed over time because it's learned behavior, you know. and. I love right here that he, he calls them to be apostles. And I, I've, I've wanted to talk about this. I'm excited because I've wanted to talk about apostles for a really, really long time. And if you go back to the original meaning of the apostle, it's actually a Roman general that would be sent out into conquered territory to change the behavior of the people that have been conquered. And, it, and it, it wasn't an easy task because these would most of the time be barbarians or savages. These weren't usually towns that were, uh, you know, civilized. But they would go in and they would start making the town look like a Roman town. They would start building buildings that looked with Roman architecture. They would change the dress of the people that lived in these cities, they would change how they acted. They would. There was a lot that went into this, and it was this general, this apostle's job to make it happen. And the reason all of this was formed was because if the emperor left Rome and went to this city, he would want to feel like he was in Rome because that's how it should be. Everywhere he goes should feel like Rome. So that was their jobs. So when Jesus called the disciples, the apostles, it was their job to create that space. But the first apostle was Jesus. Jesus was creating. He was winning the war. Like I said earlier, the apostles job was to come into somewhere that was already conquered when jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead he had conquered death and the grave and everything that satan could come after us so it was the it was the apostles to go forth and start changing those things but jesus went with these these guys these and these were not like the best of the best these were like the there was Soldiers. There was a revolutionist. There was a tax collector. There was fishermen. Like these were not like the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop were the Pharisees. You know what I mean? But you you see throughout Jesus' story how the Pharisees acted. No wonder he didn't want the quote unquote cream of the crop. He wanted people that actually wanted to be around him and wanted to listen. They weren't so hard in their hearts. And that's what we've got to be. We've got to be we, we've got to be tender-hearted. Amy has a song that's, you know, "Keep me tender-hearted," and that's what we've got to be. We can't be so like have a heart of stone. Jeremiah talks about that. or is it Ezekiel? Ezekiel? Okay. so that we can't be like that. You know, With that in mind, think of how Jesus acted. What was he trying to do? He was trying to adapt the kingdom, take the kingdom, and put it here on earth. How did the kingdom of God function? You know, I think about the verse, bind up, you know, what you bind in heaven, bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And I think of it the opposite way because of this, because God isn't going to let demonic powers run wild in his kingdom. He's not going to let sickness and financial ruin run wild in his kingdom. So we're literally calling heaven down to earth. That's what he was wanting to do. We're not meant to be sick. We're not meant to be demon-possessed. He called them to cast out demons and heal the sick. He was creating what the Father wanted to see on earth, what the Father intended from the very beginning to be on earth. Because you think about the Garden of Eden before the fall. There was no sickness. There was no death. There was none of that. You didn't have to worry about finances because you had the richness of God right then and there. But what man chose was evil. But that <laughs> the story doesn't end there. And Adam's sin is not greater than Jesus' sacrifice, people. It's not greater than that. And we have to take that. So we have to start making that change. And I I thought about, you know, they were called the disciples and then they got called the apostles. And what does that change mean a lot? I know, and I didn't really understand this until much later. The disciples had to be disciplined. They had to go through three years. They they were slow learners, (laughs) y'all. Just like we are. We're slow learners sometimes. They went through three years with being with Jesus, everybody, with Jesus, the best teacher in the world. But it took three years for them to even start understanding. And it took all the way to the day of Pentecost for them to actually realize what was going on. But it took three years of them being disciplined, not being whipped and beaten. A lot of people think discipline is this abusive thing, and it's not. Discipline means they are learning how to act. It's a daily thing of learning how to act. It's being consistent through that. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was making them disciplined because when you're disciplined, you act properly. I think about, you know, um, I, I think about, you know, my band and everything. When I had my band, everyone knew what the expected behavior was. Everyone knew when you're called to attention. You're at attention when you're called to this, you're that and that everyone obeyed because they knew it's better to be obedient than to have the sacrifice and get punished. <laughs> so that's what we have we have to understand it's we're learning how to function in his kingdom. It's not like the world people. It doesn't make sense. I'm sorry you cannot quantify in man's world what God can do. That we just got to stop that. We got to stop trying to make sense of God with our natural mind and just start accepting it through our spirit. Because what what's impossible man is possible through God. So why would we want to limit God to what's impossible? That, that don't make any sense to me. Let's go to Acts two. Um, I, I was thinking about you know Peter. Peter was like that kid that in school that you know that one kid that just does not listen to the teacher and is always getting in trouble. But the teacher the teacher moves him closest to his desk so he can keep an eye on him. I, <laughs> Daddy's raising his hand over there. I wonder why Jesus kept Peter so close. <laughs> but we know him when he was a disciple as the one that always stuck his foot in his mouth the one that was always doing something, he would cut a guy's ear off as a disciple. But you see the transformation when he stepped into the role that Jesus prophesied to him. He said, I will build my church on you. You are the rock. You are the where everything starts. So I want to go to Acts 2.37. And if you haven't read Acts 2, ooh, you need to go read it, but I'm not going to read all of it. When they heard this, they were crushed and realized what they had done to Jesus. Deeply moved, they said to Peter and the other apostles, What do we need to do, brothers? Peter replied, Repent and return to God, and each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to who, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, bro, just literally... Has been had the Holy Spirit for maybe like 30 minutes. I mean, <laughs> but he already he already has the understanding because he's been disciplined, okay? He's been disciplined. For God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families, for those yet to be born and for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, everybody that is called to God, let me read that again has the Holy Spirit. everybody has it. It ain't just the chosen, okay? Peter preached to them and warned them with these words: "Be rescued from your wayward and perverse culture of this world." That applies even today, people. Those who believe the word that the day, those who believe the word that day, numbered three thousand. They were all baptized and added to the church. Peter had been disciplined. Everybody. He had three years with the best teacher in the world, and when he stepped out, he he knew what the kingdom was like. He added 3,000 people to the body of Christ in one day. One day. Because he believed. He believed, and he acted on that belief. That's when he became an apostle. The territory had already been taken, everybody. The territory had already been won by Jesus, but he was the apostle, and he was ready to go out. He was ready to change the culture around him, and that's what it takes, people. It takes us changing the culture around us. We cannot be affected by the world. We've got to come out from the world, and we have to love people. You know, Peter wasn't here beating them. He wasn't abusing them. He wasn't saying, you're all going to die and go to hell, and you never know any of this, blah, blah, blah. He was like, repent. Change your ways because you want to experience God's love. Being, I mean, you know, it it doesn't just stop there because it goes even further. Let's go to Acts 5.14. I just want to show you what being, you know, in the fullness is. This is this is awesome, people, because it's not just for then. It's for now. It's for now because God doesn't have favorites. God doesn't have favorites, but Acts 5, verse 14, continually more and more people believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Great crowds of both men and women. In fact, I love this, when people knew Peter was going to walk by, they carried the sick out of the streets and laid them down on cots and mats, knowing the incredible power emanating from him would overshadow them and heal them. Great numbers of people swarmed into Jerusalem from nearby villages. They brought them with the sick and those troubled by demons, and everyone was healed. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine being so faithful? Now, when I say faithful, Peter's taking risk. He's getting arrested all the time. It's not glamorous. You know, he's not walking around with, you know, jewels on rings and you know he's not walking around like he's you know wearing nikes and the whatever you know the best clothes he's walking around doing god's business and i'm not saying you can't have all of that i'm saying he was faithful he was taking risk for for the kingdom but people knew when he was around he has so much power emanating from him it wasn't because it was peter it was because the power that was in him. And where does that power come from? Jesus. That there's, there's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus. Because they believe, because he was changing the people around him. Just as he saw Jesus do, he changed the people around him. That's why we've been given all authority and power over the enemy, over sickness, death, and the grave. But are we actually using it? Are we actually taking that risk? Are you going to risk looking like a fool and praying for somebody? <laughs> it's, it's Sometimes it's where it's like, man, I'm going to pray for this person, and they might get healed, and that's going to be awesome. They might not get healed, but God is still working. you got to understand that. it's not It's not always going to happen, but we have to step out on faith. It's not because God doesn't want to heal them, people. It's not because God doesn't want to heal them. We have to be willing to just step out. You know, Peter could have been like, oh, no, I can't go out. I can't go out. But he was bold. He went out, and guess what? His shadow, his shadow, he didn't even have to touch him. He didn't have to say anything to them. Could you imagine you walking down the street when all of this is over and your shadow just hit somebody, and they're like, man, I've been changed. I don't, my hip doesn't hurt anymore. Could you imagine that? It wasn't because Peter was special. I just told you Peter was the worst of them all, but Jesus kept him close. He wants to keep us close, people. If we look at our lives, are we doing the same thing? Are we willing to make that change? Are we willing to become the person that we're supposed to be? Are we willing to be discipled? Because it's not automatic. It's not automatic, people. It takes time. I'm still on that journey. I'm still being discipled and disciplined. There's things that I have to work on every day. But Paul talks about dying daily. You have to die daily to the Lord. You have to take up that cross and start following him as it's your own. And it's not easy. It's not easy, people, but we have to start looking. Are we affecting the people around us the right way? Are we affecting people the right way? Are we causing issues? You know, where a lot of us are cooped up right now. A lot of us are spending a lot more time with our family than we've ever spent time with our family because, you know, the norm has been disrupted. But how are we affecting them? Are we numbing ourselves? Are we trying to, you know, instigate things? What's going on in our homes? Because if we're disciplined, then we can start affecting things. And and, it, and you don't have to get so disciplined then you become an apostle and then you can actually start doing things. No, it starts right then and there. The change happens now, people. The change happens now. It's your day-to-day walk. You don't have to ascend to a higher place. To, it, Jesus already saved you. He's given you the measure of faith. You don't have to shama, shama, shama. You don't have to work yourself up You don't have to hulk out to try to fix something. You've got the tools of the kingdom. You have the armor of God. I talked about that a few weeks ago. You get to control how your house looks and functions. It's your decision. Stop letting familiarity dictate what things are. Start making action. Take action, people, because God's given you the tools, but he is not going to force himself upon you. He's not going to come into the room and make you do something. That's not how he works, people. That is not how he works. But there is going to be a season of discipline. You've got to go through that season, but you start taking those things that you're learning from God and you start applying them to your household. You start applying them to what you do day to day. That's what it's going to take, people, because We have to walk in the fullness of God. I I don't want anything but the fullness of God. That's what I want is the fullness of what he has for us. You know, I, I think about Peter and Paul. Peter, like I said earlier, worst of the bunch. Jesus kept him around all the time. Paul was the best of the bunch, the best of the Pharisees. He was the greatest Pharisee. He knew more than anybody in the world. But he sure did like killing Christians. <laughs> he sure did like killing Christians. But guess what? Jesus just showed up, blinded him, changed everything about him. And guess what? He went out and he started planning churches. He wrote all of all of these books. He wrote so many books, people. But we have to understand that it can take from The worst to the best. God doesn't discriminate because he sees us as the best regardless. He sees us as the best. We try to quantify ourselves, but he doesn't. He doesn't label us. He's like, man, I know what I made them for. I really want them to come into that. (laughs) That's what he wants because if Peter and Paul can change, it don't matter where you're at. It don't matter where you're at. Because, you know, I think about the first time Paul walks into a church. Could you imagine? Oh, God, there's Paul. (laughs) You know, it took a little while for Paul to be trusted. You know what I mean? But it's going to take some time, some discipline for us to move into what God wants us to have. It takes that time, and we can affect the world around us in a good way, just like we can affect it in a bad way. So, Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you that we are making changes in our lives, Lord, that we are not just sitting idly by waiting for you to do it, Lord, that you are the one that has already done it, and it's our choice, Lord. God, help us make the change to our lives, make the change to our surroundings, Lord. Help us start making our homes like heaven, Lord. Let's make our our surroundings another extension of heaven, Lord. That your throne room is everywhere, Lord. God, let us be faithful. Let us take action, Lord. Let's not be afraid of the people around us, Lord. And let's walk in love. Let's walk in love today, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.